our series uh, on discipleship, our, our third one to start the new year. Uh, Bill started out telling us uh, what a disciple is, one who adds up the facts about Jesus and devotes their life to following him because of all the evidence that he is who he said he is. And last week he showed some of the ways that we can be a better disciple, specifically disciplines like prayer and fasting and worship, Bible study, giving, fellowship, and discipling itself. Uh, our hope and our prayer is that by leaning into discipleship uh, this year, it'll help all of us to grow together because uh, really discipleship is a lot about being together and practicing those disciplines that Bill talked about uh, together. Uh, it looks a lot like, you know, when, when Ed had his grandsons here and he said, hey, you guys are going to help me serve communion this morning. It's something that not everybody is entirely comfortable with, right? Uh, and especially those guys might have been looking at him like he had two heads, but he showed them what needed to be done. They did it right along with them, and it was great. Everything went smooth. No problems at all, right? Um, it looks a lot like uh, our small groups where, where people invite others into their home and say, hey, let's study the Bible together. It looks like our spotlight nights where someone has a knowledge of something and teaches others to do it for themselves. Because ultimately, I think a lot of discipleship is rooted in teaching and togetherness, which should be no surprise as Jesus himself, I think, emphasized those things in the Great Commission found in Matthew 28. <clears throat> Excuse me. In Matthew 28, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Teaching is a huge part of that great commission. Teaching is a huge part uh, of discipleship. Jesus gave them that charge to go and make disciples, but he didn't stop with go and make disciples. He told them how to do it. He said, baptize them. Those disciples that you make, you baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and you teach them everything that I have commanded. It's what Jesus did for them after he called his disciples to follow him. If you notice the parables of Jesus, a lot of times he takes the disciples aside afterwards and he explains to them a little bit further. He's like, all right, you guys might not have gotten everything, so here's the inside story. Here's what I was getting at. Uh, I don't think that was an accident. I think that was discipleship. I think that was Jesus understanding the role that these men would play after he was gone and preparing them to do that. I don't think it's any different uh, in principle from a master craftsman teaching an apprentice the tricks of the trade or a parent teaching their child to shave or a teenager teaching their friends the, the newest dance, whatever it is. Right? The difference, of course between those things and discipling someone to follow Jesus is the importance of the teaching and the goal of the teaching. Because Christian discipleship is about seeing lives transformed because of the love of Jesus Christ. Right? We can teach someone how to build something. And it can be great and it can be useful, but it's not nearly as useful as teaching them about who Jesus is and what he has done. Right? Both are good things. But I think we can agree that one is far more important than the other. So we place a special emphasis on the teaching uh, of the Bible because we know how important it is. 
we know and understand that the Bible is God's message revealed to us through human authors. We understand that all Scripture is, as 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us, God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. Uh, we're going to look over in Titus chapter 2, and we're going to see how uh, what Paul instructs Titus to do with the people there uh, is really kind of a model uh, of God's will for us in terms of discipleship. We're going to read the whole chapter. Uh, it's only 15 verses, but here we go. <clears throat> you must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderous or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them, and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted, so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These, then, are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. So there's a little bit of discipleship going on from Paul to Titus here. He's saying, hey, I know what to do. Here's what you need to do as you go and disciple others. Um, <clears throat> Paul places a burden on Titus to teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Um, the burden of teaching is, it's a heavy burden. James says in James 3 verse 1, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Um, I believe, obviously, that is those who teach uh, from a position of authority. No, not necessarily every parent teaching their child or, or a friend teaching a friend, uh, but those in a position uh, like mine, like Bill's, in the church, uh, those of an elder uh, in the church. Um, but the importance of teaching God's word can't really be understated. It's life or death information. It is the difference between eternity with God or eternity separated from God. We have to understand it. We have to get it right. Then he goes on, Paul goes on, here's what you should be teaching to different groups of people. Uh, I'm not going to dwell on anything specifically that he said to teach uh, so much as what I believe to be the heart behind his words. Paul wants the older men and the older women to be taught to live in a way that honors Christ so that they can in turn teach the younger men, 
and the younger women uh, how to live. He wants Titus to encourage the younger men uh, to live a certain way and slaves to conduct themselves uh, in a certain way that, that will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. He, he wants them to take what they've learned and, and pass it on. He wants them to know and understand the Lord and how to live a holy life so that they can teach others to do the same. Let me show you, Paul's kind of saying to Titus, let me show you what God wants you to do so you can go and show others the same. By teaching others to live according to God's word through discipleship, we can help others see why they should want to live according to God's word. And I think that, that requires us to do four things in, in the process of discipleship as we help others become mature disciples who are ready to go and make more disciples. So the first thing is to teach. You know, we've, we've covered that pretty well. Obviously, it, it starts with teaching because someone cannot do something they have not been taught. Uh, <clears throat> the scriptures... Uh, they inform us of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, they inform us of how we should live uh, in a way that honors God. And we have an obligation to share this good news with them. And it doesn't just happen in church. Yes, it can happen here. It can happen uh, in Sunday school. But it, it happens in small groups. It happens in one-on-one -on -one discussions. It happens through uh, any number of... Uh, of interactions that we have with other people. It doesn't just have to be here in this building coming from the pulpit, right? A lot of teaching, I, I think, can occur through just discussions, conversations about spiritual matters. Discuss the sermon. Discuss what you've been reading in your Bible. Learn from each other. Uh, every week in, at youth group, we, we talk about our lesson and then we go to small groups, and the first thing we ask them every single time is, what have you been reading in your Bible? We want them to be able to share, Here, here's what I read, and, and ask the questions that they have. Say, hey, I, I read this, and I don't get it. What, what's the deal with that? Well, that's where, as our small group leaders know, like we get to come, well, here's what that means. Here's what Jesus wants from you uh, here. We want... We want our students to, to be reading the Bible, but then seeking more understanding, too. And hopefully, all of us are doing the same thing. We are reading our Bibles, and then we're discussing, hey, I read this, and it really encouraged me. Or, I read this, and it reminded me to do that, uh, whatever it is. We can have those discussions with our friends, and I think that's discipleship. That is growing together to follow God better. Uh, the second part of the process of discipleship is correction. Uh, when someone is new to something, they don't know everything, right? They have to learn some things uh, for themselves. They don't understand all the obstacles that might be in their path. And that is when it's most beneficial for those who have been there and done that, so to speak, to come alongside them and, and share their wisdom and experience and guide them to the correct path, right? Sometimes... Uh, someone's new at something, someone's new at following God, they're going to take some wrong turns. They're, they're going to have maybe the, all the enthusiasm that you want, but not exactly the right idea. And you might have to, well, I know what you're trying to do, but the way that you're doing it, let's, let's make some changes here. Let's, let's fix that. All right? 
an electrician might point out to a friend who's replacing some lighting in their home, hey, make sure you turn off the power first. And of course that seems like common sense, but you'd be surprised how many people <laughs> might make some changes like that without turning off the power. And they might get a nasty little shock, right? Um, it might get overlooked by the beginner, but for the expert, for the one who has been there and done that, it's something that is second nature. It's something that they fully understand because they've experienced it for themselves. Believers who've been a part of a healthy church, they can help a new believer find a healthy church. They can help a new believer avoid a place where they're not getting the correct teaching. They can, uh, they can teach them how to spot false teaching. They can teach them different methods of studying their Bibles. They, they can teach them, well, here's how to pray. When I became a Christian just over 20 years ago, I didn't have the foggiest idea how to pray. I didn't know what I was doing. But I learned from listening to other people pray. From them praying with me. From them sharing with me. Mature believers can help new believers navigate the passages of Scripture that are harder to understand and correct a misunderstanding when they notice it. Because there's, there's not a single one of us who hasn't read the Bible at some point and been confused, like, what does that mean? And it's helpful when we can then ask someone who we know knows more than us, say, well, what do you think? And then they can come alongside and help us gain understanding, and then we can pass that along. There's not one of us who's above correction. When we find ourselves stuck in our sin, we should be happy when a brother or sister in Christ comes alongside us to correct that issue in love. Someone who is willing to say, hey, you know what? I've seen you doing this. That ain't right. You need to make some changes in a loving manner, of course. The third part of discipleship, uh, after teaching and correction, uh, and, and really, it doesn't come after, it comes with, because none of these really work without each other. It, it's all a part of the process. Um, they're not steps to necessarily be done in order. Uh, but the third part is modeling. Um, go ahead and hit that next slide there. Uh, not that kind of modeling, um, you know. <laughs> Chloe and Paige uh, got a hold of my phone last Sunday during the dodgeball tournament and had some fun, and so I thought I'd have some fun uh, with them as well. Next service will be much more enjoyable for me. Uh, but, uh, but no, obviously not, not that kind of modeling. Uh, but we share the gospel with our words, right? But our transformed lives should show the proof of the gospel at work in us. We don't just tell people, hey, you should do this, and you should do that, and you can't do this, and you can't do that. We live according to what we say we believe so that others understand this isn't just something we're saying. This is something that we are living. This is the way uh, God's Word shapes our life. When our lives don't look like the things that we teach, I think we diminish what we teach in the eyes of others. There's not a lot of credibility when someone says one thing and does another. When a pastor is caught committing adultery or stealing money from the church or treating his wife terribly or any of that stuff, it makes the whole church, not just one building itself, 
one group of believers, but the whole church globally look bad. Well, let's say, well, who are you to tell me how I should live when you let people like that be in charge? Of course, it's a whole other issue of, you know, there's a lot of issues with that reasoning, but it is understandable to an extent that someone would be outraged at that kind of behavior. Why should I listen to anything from someone who lives like that? I get it. I completely understand where those people are coming from. I wouldn't want to serve on a staff with someone like that. I wouldn't want to go to a church where the pastor behaves like that. I don't. <laughs> I serve on a staff with wonderful people in a church where we can look at the leadership and say, those people are living for Jesus. And I love that. But, but it's not just the actions uh, of a pastor or, or an elder or a Sunday school teacher. Christian teachers, how well do you model the example of Christ in the classroom to your students? Christian bosses and managers, how does your leadership reflect Jesus to your employees or your team members? Christian employees, how does your work ethic and integrity Reflect Jesus to your co-workers and to the customers. All of this that we do, the way that we live, the behavior that we model, can help point others towards Jesus. We can show them, hey, when you are a Christian, this is how you live and this is the result. All of this must be done with our fourth part of the discipleship process, which is love. Love has to be present in everything that we do in the name of Jesus because he is God and he is love. We must teach and correct and model with love because that's how Jesus did it. A sincere love for one another makes discipleship a lot easier. Hebrews 10.24 tells us to consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good works. When someone can tell that you genuinely care about them, that you love them as Christ loves them, they become more receptive to anything that you would teach. They, they might accept your correction a little bit more readily. And they'll value the life that you model. Discipleship isn't that complicated. It's bringing someone alongside you to run after Jesus together. Making a disciple takes time and investment. But it's the kind of thing that can pay off for years and years in ways you would never imagine. You know, Whitney is the only person in this church who has ever met Jeff Burgoyne. That name means nothing to any of you, right? But if any of you have benefited from my being here, you've benefited from the time that he took to disciple me as a young man 20-some years ago. Many of us can point to someone in our life who's taken the time to teach us about God's word and show us how to live it out. Maybe it's a pastor a parent, a friend, a Sunday school teacher, but whoever it is, I'd encourage you to reach out to them today and tell them thank you. Tell them, I am so glad you taught me how to follow Jesus because it changed everything for me. And then I would encourage you to go out and do that for someone else. There's always people in this world that need to know the love of Jesus. We're going to sing a song of invitation and I want to encourage you when you go, take some action. If you're struggling through your Christian walk, reach out to someone who you think could help you. 
there's a lot of people in this room who'd be happy to. You might think they have it all together, but odds are if you think they're the kind of person that would help you, they'd also be the first person to tell you they don't have it all together. And that's okay, because we can work together to take the next steps. Even if you think you don't have anything to offer, if you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ who's been baptized, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. So you have something to offer. You most certainly have something to offer. So if you're struggling, reach out for help. If someone reaches out for help, lift them up. Be there for them. Encourage them. Support them as you walk through this life together. If nobody reaches out to you, find someone to reach out to. I didn't go to Jeff asking if he would take me to church and teach me about Jesus. He saw a young man who didn't have anyone modeling Jesus in his life. And he had his daughter reach out to me and said, hey, invite Andy to Bible study. And then once I got there, he invited me to church and they picked me up every Sunday. And he changed my life because he showed me Jesus in everything that he did. Be that kind of disciple maker who doesn't wait for opportunity to come to them, but instead goes out and finds someone who needs it. We're going to stand and sing. Come forward if you need to. We're here to walk together with you. And the goal of discipleship, bring someone with you. Bring someone with you as you pursue Jesus. Let's stand and sing.